Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Evangeline Benedetti, who is an Alexander Technique teacher and also a cellist in New York City. She's been a ch- she was uh, with the New York Philharmonic for over 40 years. She's been an Alexander t- Technique teacher for over 20 years. She's been involved with the technique for, I think, almost 40 years, perhaps a bit more. And we're going to talk today about how uh, how, she, how Evangeline got uh, found out about the Alexander Technique and what her, uh, early, uh, her early experiences with that work uh, were like. Evangeline, well, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. It's nice to be here. It's nice to talk to you. This is actually our our second conversation. Um, could you could you start by just giving our listeners your uh, elevator uh, description, elevator conversation description of the Alexander technique? Okay, uh, it's a little bit difficult to do, as you are well aware. Um. Because it's an all-encompassing study. Mm -hmm. So the all-encompassing study would be of integration of mind and body. That would mean for me that you think first, you either in words or in pictures, what have you, of the movement you want to be making and the quality of the movement you want to make. And then you carry through with the movement after you have given yourself instructions on how to move. Mm Mm-hmm. There are specific instructions one learns in Alexander Technique, primarily of learning that your spine and head balance are the most important things to the functioning of your whole body. Mm -hmm. And you want to apply that awareness and continue to learn that relationship and enhance it as you go through life. And it would it that awareness and that enhancement I would think would be especially important for musicians who have chosen a fair a pretty demanding occupation from what I can see. Well, I would have to agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Without question. Uh as a musician in certainly in the New York Philharmonic, um which is probably amongst the most demanding of any orchestra. Uh, that means you have to rehearse four times a week. Uh, each rehearsal is two and a half hours, uh, with the exception one of them is usually two hours if it's a second rehearsal in a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the Philharmonic, we play at least four concerts a week. Other orchestras play three mostly, I think. But we are <laughs> lucky or... How do right. I say that? Or not so, to play four. Right. Uh, the repertoire is extremely demanding. There's at least a new whole uh, repertoire or concert selections every week. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there will be two and three different programs within the same week. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, it is an extremely demanding job musically and therefore physically because we're at the instrument so much under tension that you are when you play with a group. Right. So how did you um, come across the Alexander Technique? Uh, I had gotten in the Philharmonic 
I was 25 when I was hired and started when I was 26. Mm-hmm. And Leonard Bernstein was the conductor, uh, which, of course, was a great thrill. Mm-hmm. Um, I had not had much experience, as you can imagine. There's not much time to get much experience of orchestral playing and uh, at, by that age. And I was just really fortunate to win the audition. So there was uh, a great deal of music and um, learning to be done, uh, learning of the music, learning to play in the orchestra, uh, learning dynamics of being in an organization that was all men with the exception of another woman and myself. Right. <laughs> Lots of things going on there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the tension just rose and rose and rose and settled in between my shoulder um, blade and my spine on the left side. Mm-hmm. Um, even prior to being in the Philharmonic, that pain was there from the hours and hours of practicing I did before getting in the orchestra. So it was an old pain. Uh, it's been a wonderful pain because I've tried to solve that issues in my left shoulder, and that's taken me to the Alexander Technique, to other great studies of uh, personal knowing of myself through therapy and through spiritual learning and et cetera, et cetera. It's been a great driving force and a fabulous teacher. So, so was it, <laughs> so uh, to speak, <laughs> was it a, a, another musician who suggested Alexander lessons to you? No, uh, not at all. Um, I was, you know, complaining about it because it was rather intense, mm-hmm. and. Um, uh had a friend who had unfortunately problems i mean uh, serious problems of um an accident that had paralyzed her and she was had done a lot of work at the rusk uh institute of rehabilitation mm-hmm. and she said you know you don't have to be like me to go see my doctors they're really great which was <laughs> encouragement right and uh so i went to see a man named alan rusk now it his name is not the same. It's not the same Rusk as the Rusk Institute. It was just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a little chat, and he said, "Oh, so you're a cellist?" I said, "Yes." He said, "Well, I'm a amateur violist, and I know exactly where you hurt." And he poked his finger right on the spot, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I said, "Yeah, you know." <laughs> and he immediately said, "You don't need me. You need the Alexander technique." And I said, what? I had, of course, never heard of it. Uh And then he said to me, well, let me give you the name of Deborah Kaplan. Mm -hmm. She works here and is now teaching the Alexander Technique. So um, as those of you in the technique know, she is one of the most revered teachers that we have had in the United States. That's right. And um, she had just completed her studies with her mother, who had studied directly with Alexander. Right. And, uh, again, those of you in the technique have seen a rather well-known picture of Alexander working with a young child, Mm -hmm. and that child is Debbie. Right. So um, she had a long history of the technique, but she had just gotten her training and was starting to teach. So um, 
I know knew nothing about any of that. And I said, well, if you say so, I'll go. So I went, and it started this lifelong study and love of the Alexander Technique. Wow. And, and of course, Debbie Kaplan was, was also a physical therapist. I, yes, that, that's why a, she was at the Rusk Institute. Right. Yeah. So what would you, how would you describe um, your first few lessons and, in terms of how they affected you and what did you notice early on in the experience? Well, it certainly was, um, you know, uh, uh, so I'm pr- probably, I guess the word would be almost overwhelming because it was, um, you know, a way of moving I had never, ever encountered. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, but I think then more than the very first uh, kinds of lessons, it would was later on when uh, we had gotten into the real use of the arms and hands leading and that sort of thing that uh, made me realize that I wasn't doing any of this when I played the cello, that uh, my patterns of movement were not in harmony with my uh, natural way to move, uh, that we are designed to move. And so I started then rethinking about how do, how do I play the cello right. and uh, applying... Um, not just the sort of sitting and standing that we often so frequently work on in the technique. Mm-hmm. That, of course, is paramount. But how how do you use your hands? What leads? What happens here, there, and yonder? And so I uh, actually have revamped my playing completely. And it's based on the um, technique that I learned, uh, the body movements that I've learned through the Alexander Technique. Because I figure that playing has to be organic um it can't be techniques learned that are uh kind of go against the way our bodies actually are intended to move right so i've tried to find a way to move in accordance with what i've learned through the technique and I think it's it's true. Not, I'm sorry, while playing the cello. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's true not just of of musicians, but people in general, for the most part, have never been faced with a situation where they act or, or have ever had the opportunity, let's say, to actually learn what you've just talked about. I think most people just move. At, That's how, right. in whatever habitual way they have and it works more or less but it can often as you discovered be not really in accordance with their fundamental structure and over time you can have aches and pains and and uh, injuries and the like so you i guess you were in a way very fortunate to have that initial pain in your shoulder well that's what i tried to as, as yeah. you said i tried to indicate that earlier that right. my my pain has been my friend so to speak and i i would <laughs> although unwanted and, yeah and yeah because it is um like my um you know the uh, telltale for my uh gathering too much tension in my shoulders i do occasionally have it today mm-hmm. but what happens now is I have tools to deal with it. So I can um, go into the principles that I know that I am, uh, that I've learned through the Alexander Technique, reorganize my body, and mostly the pain will then release and I'll be free from it again for quite a while. 
So, so you could have the attitude towards that pain when it does appear that it's kind of an early warning system for you. That's right. That's and right. That's a wonderful tool to have, even if it's not always pleasant in the initial moment it appears. That's true. That's and I, true. I would also add that you were incredibly lucky to encounter a doctor who knew about the Alexander Oh, it's quite amazing. Especially back in at that time. Yes, well, I he uh since Debbie was at the hospital as a physical therapist. Right. Uh evidently their paths crossed and I I'm not even, I don't know if he had had lessons or not, but he certainly knew about it and he certainly had a great deal of respect for her. Mm-hmm. And um as as do I. Uh I worked with her for many, many years, and uh, early on, um, after I had studied, oh, let's see, let's say five, six years, I thought that I might train to become a teacher at that time, and I did do one semester of training, but I had small children, full-time job at the Philharmonic, and was teaching cello a fair amount, and something had to go, so it was my training at that point. Mm-hmm. And then later, um, when I realized that I needed to uh, have a boost in my teaching because my children were going to college, <laughs> right. the financial drive, as we all know. Right. And, of course, I fell in that middle place of not earning enough money at the Philharmonic to uh, cover my college expenses, and yet earning too much money for the colleges to be sympathetic towards me for financial aid. So uh, I decided it was time to rekindle my teaching, which Mm -hmm. I did. And then I thought, well, I want another approach to it. So uh, I rethought Alexander Technique and thought, okay, this has been so important to me. I should really train so that I can impart it officially and thoroughly to... Uh, my um, students. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to uh, say here how extensive the training is for those who don't know. Mm-hmm. To be an Alexander teacher and to be certified by our association, the American uh, Society for Teachers of the Alexander Technique, you, one has to train for 1,600 hours. Yeah, usually, usually three years. And yes, it's usually three years, right. Yeah. And you have to log in that many hours. So, um, you know, uh, if you're searching for a teacher, work with somebody who is certified because you will know that they will have had uh, quite a thorough training Mm -hmm. um, that qualifies them to teach this. Um, It's a hands-on. It's a communication through touch. Mm -hmm. And that needs to be developed and takes time for the teacher to learn to do that. So those of you who are just starting your technique uh, uh, learning, find a good teacher. Find Absol- a Absolutely. Could, could we get back uh, just for a moment sure. to, uh, obviously, from what you said, the, the, the lessons you, you had with Debbie um, helped you a lot with the, the pain. Yes. 
Um, how did it affect the quality of your playing itself? Well, as I said, I changed the way I play. And so, that you, the move, so my movements were more in accordance to um, what I knew, uh, the, how the body was meant to move through my technique study. And did that produce a different quality of sound? Yeah, yes, definitely. That's what I'm, I was kind of wanting to say. Yes, if you're playing the instrument with a lot of physical effort and tension, that is certainly going to come through your sound. And that's something that is... Um, uh, I don't maybe not un- certainly not unique to musicians, but say in general for performers, the the way in which they use their body has a direct impact, a direct and obvious impact, often in the quality of what they are doing. Definitely, y- you could be uh, an accountant with mm-hmm. a back with a sore back. Mm-hmm. And you could, you know, push your way through that and prepare the tax returns or whatever. And no one looking at those tax returns would say, "Oh, something's wrong with the accountant." That's right. But <laughs> although I mean, you he, never know, <laughs> well, you you never know. I mean, he might make a mistake because he was so concerned about his pain. But but with musicians and dancers and and uh, and actors and the like, who who are um. um generally more knowledgeable about the technique than the general public, mm-hmm. uh, there, there is that additional factor that the, the quality of, of what they're doing is improved as well as their comfort level, let's say. Definitely. Yeah, I think um, most uh, the other, uh, well, another aspect that's been most important is in the Alexander Technique, we use what are called directions. Mm-hmm. And I have learned that my directions in playing are the actual sounds that I want to produce on my cello. Mm-hmm. And, but built into those melodies, if you wish to call them that, or pitches or notes or expression, is how I sit, how I move. And that... Uh, because my basic way of sitting and moving is Alexander technique, it is definitely incorporated into this overall direction of that particular box suite I'm playing. Does that make sense to you, Robert? It, it, in the, and you're saying that you're, the direction that you're using to make the sound that you want to make mm-hmm. includes how you're organizing yourself to be in the chair or to be yes. on your feet yes. or whatever. Yes. And and that's that I think and we've had a an earlier conversation going into more detail on that. But that I think would come as news to a lot of musicians, don't you think? Well, I think so. I um it's such a difficult thing to say what's happening inside your brain when you're trying right, to right. teach someone right um that it's hard to describe it but i actually was in an alexander lesson and was playing um a box suite and my teacher who was troop matthews mm-hmm. i trained at the uh, matthews school for right. alexander technique sure i know troop i knew him and, yeah and he he was working on me uh, and all of a sudden, I said, oh, my gosh, if I simply think the music differently, it comes out different. Yes. So I, didn't, I no longer had to go home and 
work very hard to uh, change my interpretation, say, from forte to piano or uh, a crescendo in a different way or even a change of color, whatever. If I just heard that change going on in my brain, my hands would respond. Yeah, and that yeah. was that was an enormous breakthrough. I knew that I could now truly be a creative artist and yeah. truly project what was happening within me the moment I was playing it. Yes. And I, that I, to I, me has been the biggest um, um, benefit from the Alexander Technique for me. A very uh, practical and concrete application of mind-body unity ideas. Absolutely. Maybe this is a great place to to end our conversation, unless there's something you want to add for any musicians who are listening. No, I, we covered a lot. And, and I think I can speak for you in saying that if, if you are a musician and you're listening, explore the Alexander Technique. Take a lesson or two or three and find out what it's all about, and you'll know pretty quickly, I think, whether it's it's something that's going to be useful for you. Yes, and the most important thing, though, is that, or not the most important, I've said that too many times, an important thing here is most Alexander teachers are not musicians. Right. Although you can find one who might be. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's up to you to um, find a way to truly bring the Alexander Technique into your work, which mm-hmm. is, as I said, when you are imagining how the you're going to play something, see yourself sitting tall. See yourself mm-hmm. on your sit bones. See your arms moving easily as you are interpreting the music that you're playing. And I think you'll find a big res- difference, uh, wonderful results for yourself. Right. You can get, and, and, and I assume that most of your teachers early on, and even still today, were not themselves musicians, right? No, they were not. Yeah. None and of them and there's no absolute need to have a mu- someone who's also a musician and an Alexander te- te- Technique teacher, although it can be interesting to have a lesson from someone who, who knows about both. Well, um, I know that I teach, I personally teach with Alexander. I cannot teach cello without teaching Alexander. Oh, I, I can imagine that, yeah. And, yeah. and um, when I have people who are studying uh, Alexander, um, it's hard to, um, even if they're not non-players, there's so much that my playing and incorporating the technique as I have described comes into being in helping someone who is a non-player do their activities. So I'm trying to say that the, it, the, the ball bounces both ways. I can't teach Alexander without, um, you know, uh, teaching music. I can't teach music without teaching Alexander. <laughs> right, right. But music in a very big sense of the word of playing our bodies well, playing right, our whole right. selves well and all of that sort of thing. Well, so, um, that that about does it. I, okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for that. Uh, my my guest today has been Evangeline Benedetti, 
a longtime uh, cellist at the New York Philharmonic, over 40 years, uh, a longtime Alexander Technique teacher. She lives in New York City. If you are in New York and you are intrigued by what we're talking about, uh, I'll put a link to her website by the interview. I'll also put a link to a website where you can learn more about the Alexander Technique and where you could can find a teacher in other parts of the world. Evangeline, thank you so much for this. Well, thank you, Robert. It's been a pleasure to chat about one of my favorite subjects. 